Hi. Hi. I'm glad you're here today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. This is home to NARC Troopers. It's a website where you will find a library of work to help on the recovery journey from narcissistic abuse. Um, today, I'm excited to have a very special guest with us. Um, and, you know, we have people come from time to time and each bring their different um, uh, stories and expertise. Today, we have Amy Punt. Um, she's a multifaceted writer, weaving personal essays and nonfiction narratives that resonate with the human experience. As an accomplished opera libertist, I knew I was going to get that wrong. Uh, Amy brings a unique perspective to storytelling, blending emotional depth of personal trauma with the artistry of operatic expression. With a background in screenwriting, playwriting, and poetry, she utilizes a multidisciplinary approach to her writing to offer a glimpse into the healing process using the transformative power of storytelling. Amy has produced opera libretti that have won NASA grants, as well as development grants through Opera America. Her work delves into the themes of isolation, loss, and betrayal, providing a raw and insightful exploration of healing from trauma and abuse. So, Amy, welcome today. Thank you. Thank you. So, I want to begin our conversation uh, addressing uh, that narcissism manifests in many different um, ways and there are many different systems in our world that are plagued with this in what seems to be an increasing um, number of ways that it's it's showing up and um, and this would be for all cluster b disorders the narcissist the psychopath the sociopath and um so and and people just seem to surrender to these disordered types, whether they be politicians, world leaders, um, you know, it could be family members, your spouse, your uh, child, maybe parents. Um, it could be your boss at work. Um, there's a lot of ways that it can show up, but I would like to um, focus today, I think, on the way. Uh, that we have spiritual narcissists among us who prey upon the vulnerable uh, and the susceptible populations um, in sort of a, um, you know, using the church as a um, tool to, um, to get, these, get to these people. And I know that you have uh, personal experience to share with us today. So I'll let you tell us a little bit about that. And, um, and then we'll talk about how to recover from something like that. Because even though there's many different types of 
uh, ways that narcissism and psychopathy and such can manifest in the world today. The way that we recover from it seems to be, you know, there's a common denominator there. It seems like the path forward with that is very similar regardless of what type of narcissism that it was. So those are the two things we're going to be looking at today. So tell us a little bit about um, your experience with the church and the spiritual narcissist. Sure. I was um, raised in a fundamentalist Christian home. And, you know, the experience, I have two brothers, uh, one older, one younger. So the family roles were, you know, the, my parents came, were very traditional, but the power dynamic was sort of anything but. So my father, you know, he went out and he made the money and, and there was that sort of giving, um, the idea that my father was the head of the household was very much prevalent in our home, but it was really my mother who had all the power and he gave he basically abandoned his duties as a father to her uh, raising us being completely, you know, having complete dominion over, over our lives. And so he would really only come in as the enforcer, but that early paradigm of the narcissistic, um, the power structure, my mother being the narcissist and my father being kind of the enforcer or the flying monkey or the one who kind of helped keep her mask in place. And the mask was that we were this traditional Christian family, um, but it really just covered up uh, a whole host of abuse that was occurring in my home. And the, and I'm not an outlier. I, I think um, a friend of mine said something on social media recently, and uh, she posted a an article about um, a Christian leader who had just been arrested in Philadelphia for, I think, having relationships with children, abusing children. And she mm-hmm. said, why, why does this always happen in the church? And I said, well, I can tell you if you really want to know. <laughs> um, and so I feel like narcissism is maybe not a bug, but a feature of these very religious environments, because it allows abusers to proliferate to to abuse with impunity right and so so what happened um in my life was you know there was a double standard for the men and the 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 boys and and me being the only girl I grew up to be the perfect Christian girl even and even I was also the scapegoat um because in in Christianity there's this look if you obey then you are going to get God's blessings and so I thought well if I just am perfect enough I will finally get the love that I need and that was constantly the carrot that was being dangled in front of me mm-hmm. whereas my my brothers were just like doing all sorts of sinful behaviors like the church would consider sinful I don't know that I necessarily would now but I mean you know just doing whatever it was they felt like doing and with no consequences in fact I would be punished if I told on them so you know that carried over into the church and got I got into a relationship with the with a a big church, a, a mega church um, that was very narcissistically abusive, where I was constant. They said I was working as a volunteer in a church that had the money to pay me. They were a very wealthy in, in place. Um, and they kept saying all these reasons why they they wouldn't do it. And 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 in the and this is this is I mean, it's just what ended up happening was I was, I got one person on my team so undermined me because he wanted my position, but he wanted it to be paid. Um, And they believed everything he told them. And 
they hired him. They told me they would only hire me if I had a master's degree. At the time, I had a, an undergraduate degree. And they hired him over me. And he didn't hadn't even finished his associates and didn't even plan to. And, and it, it, you know, looking, it seems to me that I, it, it, like looking back on it now, I, I feel like the, the only benefit they got out of that was, was really like free labor, you know, because I worked so hard. Um, but there also seemed to be like some sadistic pleasure in, in it for them is what I feel like now. And maybe that's revisionist history, but it was a very painful awakening for me. Um, but it's when I begin to understand, oh, no, this is not a bug. It's a feature of this religion. And I know there are a number of people that I am still friends with now who are also no longer Christians because of the of the treatment that they experienced mm -hmm. at, in that system at that particular church. Well, um, narcissistic abuse follows uh, uh, steps. It's a cyclical uh, progression from the um, beginning stages, the love bombing, the infatuation, idealization, all of this kind of thing, which I would think in this context, the people coming into this particular congregation would be feeling that they had finally found their church home and that they were welcomed and that they were very hopeful and excited and they were given attention and special treatment and made to feel very comfortable and all of that. Um, and then the, then there would be the conditioning part, the, 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 the um, entrainment, the, the mind uh, mastery, the control control is a, is a huge factor with all narcissists, even the, the um, spiritual narcissists, cult type leaders uh do that um and then they they um criticize and condemn and control in these ways through this devaluation stage um so that the person is um that intermittent reinforcement is a pattern that happens to cause addiction and what that can look like in the church tell me if i'm wrong but i'm guessing that uh, they hold the carrot like out, like this is what you uh, are as a Christian supposed to achieve. And when you do, you're going to have everlasting love and paradise and the kingdom and so on and so forth. But then th there's the punitive part the you don't measure up. You're not doing this right. You're sinful. You're weak. You're uh, failing. You're flawed. There's that part. So that, and then there are the abuses that happen, some of them patriarchal in nature, because I think churches in general are sort of built on a very patriarchal system, um, for the most part. I won't speak of, like in gener generalities to say it's that way with all of them, but with a great number of them, I, I know that that is true. And um and so there are abuses and um, and boundaries that are crossed and people are violated in different ways, depending on what is the method of violation in that church. Um, but all in all, all those cycles are the same, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a boss or no matter who it is, all of those components are there. 
all of, you know, with the conditioning and the control and the punishing and the rewarding and the idealizing and the condemning and just all of it is I, one big mess. Can we, you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Uh, just as you were talking, one of the things that I was uh, thinking about was just how love becomes its own coercive tactic that this idea, you know, when, when you're in a love bombing when you're in the phase of love bombing, I mean, it, it is this, this experience of elation, this experience that you're being carried on this cloud of perfect love. Um, that is, that feels so unconditional that, um, it, it does. And I think we talked, we've talked about it in, in another conversation that it, it literally feels like it's creating this, this physical need that you won't be able to live without it because it feels like the very thing that you were created for, this is the love I've always been wanting. Yes. This is, this is the thing that I can't breathe without. Mm -hmm. And, and so that it's but it's right it's not real love right that's a coercive tactic it's a manipulation so it's just another way to control you and in the church that looks like jesus's love so but and so there's no talk or understanding of boundaries right the idea is that once you accept jesus christ into your heart and i can only speak from a christian perspective right so once you you are you accept jesus christ into your heart once they've got you right like that's what they're trying to do is get you to do a thing and that is the thing because now you will have everlasting life mm -hmm. but that's when the devaluation starts that's when these these and it's a very confusing time because you don't you've done everything right you don't know what what's wrong but now everything you're doing is wrong and and that's that's how they, they control you. For me specifically, I, I remember I graduated college and I really wanted to work in Chicago theater. I had started doing that. Um, and I was working in Boys Town, which is, you know, it's the, it's the LGBTQ community. Like you, you don't do that. That's not a thing you do. Um, and so the church like lobbied really hard with my mom to get me to stop doing that and to come and give my gifts to the church to edify the church body. That if I wanted a Christian husband, if I wanted the Christian, you know, the gifts of the spirit and the gifts of, you know, whatever, like that God had intended um, that right. I have, then I had to do what they said. And I gave up a career in Chicago theater, which was my dream to go and build a drama team. Um, I used to say that in quotes. I mean, basically it's so you write sketches every week so that you can support the main message, you know, as an outreach tool. It's not theater, you know, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, it's not real art. It, it sounds like um, all of those pieces are there. I think that, you know, what you said about how um, at first it feels like it's the thing that completes you, that you can't live without, that it's just this is the answer to everything you've been looking for. And um, that's a joyful uh, experience. But then the other things happen that are boundary violations that are abusive and um all of that and and that is the recipe for addiction we become addicted to the highs um and it compensates for the lows so that we tolerate the lows because we love those highs yes. and i have noticed the imagery um that the that they that is created in the church um the these pictures of this perfect um this perfect love, this, this perfect, um, acceptance and all of this kind of stuff that is pretty irresistible actually. Yes. yes. And, and Truly. then the level of energy 
that it, it's such a, it, it feels so close, like a family kind of um, oneness with the whole fellowship. Like you're all like breathing, moving, singing, praising mm. all together. It's this ex- one it's, body. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about the body of the church. Body of Christ. Yep. As it's one yep. thing unified, mm-hmm. um, which is great except that that can easily be uh controlled and manipulated well and 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 there's there's no internal boundary system nobody is an individual you are only there to be uh, in service to the to the growth of the church itself which the church being the bride of christ you know we the the church yeah the church being the bride of christ so that's our only purpose that we fulfill god's right goals on this planet at some point do they um do they take exploit people with their monies and their gifts yeah. of time and take them away from careers and like yeah. make everything about give everything to yeah. the church? That's because right. to me, all that I have heard about like cults and things like that, that you have to give up your identity. Right. You have to give up your career, your family, even your friends, your relationships, you give up everything and you let it go for some noble higher purpose, which is to become one with this church body. Yes. And the, and the promise is that you will be, that it will be replaced by that, which God blesses. So I wanted a Christian husband. I had to break up with my non-Christian boyfriend in order to have the guy that, that God had planned for me right, right? right so so there was no, there's no individual in it, individuality it's all what the church will give you you know as a result of your obedience so you give everything and the church will then give you what you want so in the shared fantasy of narcissistic abuse when you're in a relationship with a narcissist um you know there's a kind of um um entitlement that i'm guessing you know we can use the the term the church in this context um some of these churches that we're talking about not all of them of course but but some of them um and compare that to a relationship with a partner or with a parent in saying that um they feel that they have everything you need so you should just be grateful to be there and to give them everything yes you should just be so honored that you have the opportunity to experience this perfection and this whatever. And that's true, not just yes. your experience um, with the spiritual narcissist uh, leaders and that kind of thing who are exploitative and opportunistic and all of that, but that's true for for a spouse, a, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a, a parent. It, it works the same way. You know, the parent will say, I gave my life for you and this is how you pay me back. I've given you everything. I've sacrificed yes. everything <laughs> you owe me now. And yes. so terrible how, you know, yeah. uh, parents yeah. will do that. Spouses oh, yeah. will do some ver- version of that. Like I've given up, I could be out there. Everybody wants me. Uh, you know, I have have men, women, whoever throwing themselves at me, but I choose you. And I've given up all of this, all of these opportunities with these other people. Some you of should them feel so lucky. Me, some yes. of them look better yes. than you, you know, whatever. Yes. And you are so lucky and so yes. fortunate to have me. Give yes. me everything. 
but you know, I mean, and you, but you, you do, you do because they make you feel when they, when they give you what you want, when they give yeah. you that high, they, nothing else, there's nothing else like it in the world. I was primed for a narcissistic marriage because of my narcissistic relationships in the church Absolutely. and because of my, my narcissistic, uh, you know, growing up here, the, that imprinted on me, right. That was the template oh, yeah, that I understood. Absolutely. love. When you have a parent or a primary caregiver who is a narcissist or um, creates the 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 abuse, the absence, the neglect, the parentification, the instrumentalization, the objectification, all those things that parents can where they can go off the tracks and do things wrong to mess you up. If that happens there, then it's like it becomes your script, like you're in a play. Like, yes, that's a yes, great analogy for you yes. since you're uh, involved in all that, and yeah. it becomes a script that you stick to because I mean, that's that's what you've been given, that's what you've been yeah. programmed like a computer to be your reality. And yeah. so, when you get older, you're you gravitate to other people who are uh, also narcissistic or sociopathic or psychopathic because that feels very natural and normal to you uh it's a dynamic that you're familiar with and um it just feels like home and so you trust it and you go with it and you open yourself up to it in ways that uh-uh you know this is not not safe right uh, but it, it's, I think it's also too, because you don't know yourself, you don't have your own individual, you haven't individuated from the, the, the initial traumas that have created exactly. this, right? That's, so that's, you lose yourself. And it, so you, you're looking for the narcissist to give you something in yourself that you, that you're missing. Right. And that's why it forms this really toxic, but perfect puzzle piece between you and them. That's they're looking for you. And it feels like they've found you when yeah. you, you know, you feel found. Well, what happens between the ages of three and six is that separation from the parent in normal childhood development. And then they individuate and they become a, their own unique person with their own little identity going forward. And the, with the narcissist, that doesn't happen as it's supposed to. Something goes off the rails mm -hmm. during that time to prevent them from becoming that individual. So in essence, you know, people say all the time that narcissists have big egos and everything. In fact, they don't have an ego at all because mm -hmm. they um, are just pretty much an absence. You have to have some sense of self or identity to be able to have an ego and they don't have that. They wear yours. They reflect That's yours, mirror and mimic yours because they don't have anything in there. Right. We're, and we're talking about cluster B personality disorders. We're yeah, not talking about like, like garden variety well, narcissists. And, and, you know, uh, there is some distinction between the two. If not, they would all have one name. Right. And, right. and yeah. I think that the narcissist doesn't intentionally gaslight and deceive and right. exploit and all of that because they are delusional detached from reality they are into this whole magical thinking thing so that they're not living in the real world so when they tell you something it's not gaslighting you they believe it to be gaslighting it's sort of a calculated plot to exploit or manipulate in an opportunistic kind of way that's what psychopaths do 
maybe mm-hmm. sociopaths. I'm not sure about that, but really a psychopath is just, uh, you know, a sociopath on steroids. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. same, the, the same beast. And, um, and they know what they're doing because they, they are task oriented. They have a goal. They want money. They want connections. They want power. They want sex. They want right. someone to take care of them. They want something. And so they very cold and calculatingly know that they are lying, whereas the narcissist doesn't. So in the church, if you have a leader who comes into, you know, to lead that church, you know, what happens next? It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to have one person be able to have a whole flock and be shepherds to that whole congregation, to that whole flock of, of followers that they're going to follow that person wherever they lead. And if that person is disordered and they say, I'll just add this to the conversation. They say that there are a whole lot of narcissists that are in um, like the religious church kind of systems a lot of narcissists are, they go into politics, service things like teachers, doctors, things like that, where they're getting a lot of supply from their patients, from their students, from stuff like that. It's scary to think about these these um, systems, education system, medical system, church system, because these systems can have these people in them who are... Uh, you know, siphoning off fuel and supply from the people that are trusting them. And they are uh, just incredibly capable of destroying those people, just, just decimating them, just completely taking everything, everything tangible, you know, their, their monies, their house, their relationships, their whatever to their identity, personally, their agency, their, power to have control over their own lives and all of that it's it's huge right it's just a a huge thing and i think that people get so tired of hearing oh everybody's a narcissist and everybody has trauma and yada 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 let's stop talking about it i think we need to talk about it more but in a deeper more profound way so that we're not just minimizing it and talking about it like it's something silly or stupid it is a real pathology. It is a malignant cancer that it has invaded all these different uh, levels of our society, of our culture, of our world. And these people are leading. They're leading and they are winning. And I'm not going to name names, but there are some that are very popular who have control. They have brainwashed. They have cultivized. I don't think that's a word, but, you know, they have done a cult-like mind warp thing to all these people to have these people blind allegiance following them when it's just like what's happening here what you know they're gonna lead us right over a cliff do you don't see that cliff are you looking for the cliff what's going on I, I wonder if they care though I think it comes down to the fact that they are you know, I, I read in, in what so it's a Japanese novel um, that, that this it be careful what you believe because it makes you easy to fool. And I think they are believing so strongly in whatever it is this leader is saying 
that that's enough. They will live in that deluded reality. That is where they want to live. And they will fall off the ledge, believing that, believing that they're not falling off the ledge. Does that make sense? They'll go to their death, believing that they, that they aren't dying. I've seen Um, it. What do you mean by um, deluded reality? When you believe that the world is black and white, when you believe that there is good versus evil and you are in a, a battle to win, then that means that you are the good uh, to, you know, to win over evil. That makes you very easy to fool. And mm. so, so because you don't see black and white, I mean, you don't see nuances of gray. You don't think for yourself. It makes you easy to fall prey to someone who's going to tell you what to believe. Right. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And unfortunately, when people only have a very uh, superficial grasp of what this is that we're dealing with here, um, they're too quick to discount it and minimize it and poo-poo it away. Like, oh, well, that's silly. That, you know, I don't even know what you're saying. Is kind of the response you get. They don't want to think about it. It's just too much for the average bear to wrap their mind around. They don't have the bandwidth to really dig in until it affects them personally in a devastating kind of way. Mm -hmm. Then that curiosity, that analysis paralysis sets in and they can't stop researching it and learning about it and trying to find out just what the heck was that that just happened to me. You know, I was thinking about some of those people um, who invaded the Capitol um, on January 6th and how some of them that are in prison now, I'm, you know, not all of them, but some of them have kind of stepped back and looked at like the, they've been self-reflective enough to try to question just what happened there, you know, and, and how did they end up in this situation? Because I don't believe that people are just intrinsically horrible, evil, bad people that, that get bamboozled into these kinds of situations. They're pawns. They're being used on that bigger chessboard in a game where those more powerful narcissistic people are exploiting them. Right. And, that, may, that, that may be, but I don't know that we can, we can, my feeling is I think that people are innately and inherently selfish yeah, I'll agree with that too. And yes. whether or not that makes them bad or not is not maybe relevant to the conversation, but that selfishness, that childishness, I mean, that's, yeah. that's definitely, definitely childish selfishness and everybody wants like a quick fix and they, and it just seems like they don't have a lot of compassion for others. Right. It seems like right. the, 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 main thing these days is just to be concerned about yourself. What's, what is best for me? What's going to create the best version of me for me. I need to live my best life. I need to do things that are going to help me, 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 me. And that's the conversation. It's all about each individual person leading that best life. And if you're in the way and you're inconvenient, uh, just dispose of you and get one that's not because then that new, uh, less inconvenient person uh, is going to serve you better and it's all about what serves me to become my best version of myself that I can be. There's no conversation out there about how do I serve 
others. You just don't hear that. No, People and that's that you. that's the, the the key, the individual narcissism that that fits like a puzzle piece with the larger system of narcissistic um, leadership. And um, I think that's psychopathy. exactly right. And why do you think that is that we live in a world where it's um, where they have so little concern for the suffering of others? It's this. It's almost as if their lack of empathy is dangerously um, close to what the narcissist has because they have zero empathy. It's all about right. them, uh, their their grandiosity, the entitlement, the the fantasy that they live in is their fantasy for them with themselves, you know. Well, and that's why they are worshipped because like, you you know, these figures that have that for themselves, if they're, it's, these smaller individuals ultimately want that for themselves, right? Like I'm thinking sort of more broadly, we think about the civil war and we think about the, the people who went to fight for the wealthy landowners were not people who were also wealthy landowners. They were people who wanted to protect a system that could one day make them wealthy landowners, even if it could never make them wealthy landowners. You know, um, They wanted to protect a, a system of slavery where one group of people was um, less than you know, and that made that world, that paradigm made sense to them and being, being a human being and seeing, you know, seeing them as seeing slaves as human beings was not a part of the conversation. Mm -mm. No, that's so, true. It's like people have always been motivated by what's going to benefit them yeah. without considering uh, the damage to others. And you can transfer that to anything happening in the world today. The collateral damage that happens in efforts yeah. to achieve victory, right? Right. Uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's, okay, there's innocent victims. Oh, well, that's just going to happen. It's the cost of of justice. It's the cost of right of having things you know of winning it's well, as that it's, when you get into a winning mindset when it's a good versus evil when it's a black versus white when it's a my my this is mine and i i want yours because what yours is also mine when you exactly. get into that there is always collateral damage and i you know that I, to me it feels like historically speaking we've always been this way that we've ever made any kind of a progress in, in terms of, uh, you know, human rights and actual justice is sort of, um, uh, it seems like an accident in some ways. Um, and I, and I, maybe I hope that's not true, but, but it is a way that I have a framing the world where I'm like, you know, I can't change everyone. I can just change myself. And I can just really think about the ways in which I was wounded by these narcissistic systems and how I got out. And maybe that will translate for someone else well i think it comes back to what we're doing right now and why we're doing it we're talking about it and putting that idea out into the world voicing it to the universe and saying there's corruption there's sickness it's a sickness of society it's um a plague like a virus and we're naming it and calling it out and saying hey look this is pervasive. It's huge. It's all around us. It's not just your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend that's a narcissist. It's not just mom or dad. It extends to all different areas in society and affects all of us.
profoundly. It's not just in the United States. It's global all over the world. And um, and I, it seems to be growing because narcissistic um, principles um, are encouraged. They're, they're held in high esteem. Like it doesn't matter how you win, just win. If you have to step up to the top on the backs of other people and harm them getting up there. Hey, you got up there. Good job. Good job. Yeah. I mean, and it's strange like because <laughs> when I, when I think about the reason, you know, there, there were, when, when we were evolving into be the, the dominant um, bipedal species, there were many other bipedal species uh, around and we, we won out and scientists think we won out, not because we were the most powerful, the most strong. We won out because we were taking care of our young and our old together that we did not let our old just die, just leave them behind to die. We, we took care of each other in community and it's those values for our species in particular that they think um are are you know that maybe that's why we hold them ultimately as as higher yeah. than 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 these other things these very low you know like whatever you know grabbing power and Absolutely. dominating people you know but so i like that gives me hope well hope and concern because it is it is this community that we're talking about whether it's your work community, your school community, your church community, or just the community of citizens that live in the same city, in the same zip code as you, this sense of community is deteriorating and becoming fragmented. And and technology has, has garnered some of the blame, like, oh, it's because everybody's on, they're so isolated. They always have their nose in their, in their laptop or on their phone or something. Yeah. It's a contributing factor, I'm sure, but I don't. Well, think I, I think I think people. Good. I think people. We've been lulled in this on this continent in particular. We have been lulled into a, a sense of 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 I think safety and you know not having had any war you know to to really threaten our sense of of home and security. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like we've, we are just not people who we we're just anesthetized and this, this spending too much time on our phones, um, is a, is a way of, of sort of hypnotizing us Absolutely. away from doing many ways, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, um, gambling, <laughs> shopping, the list goes is on and on. It's in our, it's in our DNA to escape or to distract or right. to run away from things that are difficult or hard or unpleasant and make ourselves feel better. You got to mm-hmm. feel better. Take a prescription yeah. drug, take a pill. Right. But I mean, I, and I think, I think we don't understand that all of these things are driven by trauma. The fact that we are trying to avoid, we have collective trauma and, and, and we also have individual trauma, but this, you know, we don't want to face it because it's hard. We don't know how there's no collective conversation happening about how we face it collectively. I mean, Carl Jung tried to have that conversation over over a hundred years ago and, and no one wanted to hear it, but he has very specific ideas about how, about how fascism um, occurred and how to solve fascism. Nobody cares. Nobody cared. Nobody cared back oh, then. Nobody cares. I now. ran a uh, workshop. I'm, I'm a teacher for my day job and I ran one on collective trauma last spring, mm-hmm. trying to talk about how anything from like nine 11 to the pandemic and COVID and everything, you know, kids came back different 
they changed and studies have said that during the pandemic through COVID, like they have done studies on adolescent and teenage brains to show that there was a thinning of some parts of their brain, literally the physiological, like shown on a CAT scan or MRI, that their brains were altered by whatever you want to call it, by trauma, by the, the disconnection from mm -hmm. other human beings and isolation from a number of factors, it changed us. And I led that thing and, you know, I didn't have that many people show up. They wanted to go to the ones that were more happy and fun. Like, mm -hmm. let's go to a, a one that's like uh, our favorite, our favorite um, movie. Let's talk about our favorite movie or let's uh, do one about how to uh, cook with, um, more more greens or you know there were all kinds of choices and I thought that was one like we need to hear this but it comes back to what you and I are doing I think we have to open the conversation I think we have to say it we have to talk about it even when you look at people and you can see their faces glazing over their eyes kind of just kind of get all cloudy and look away like and they're looking at their like trying to figure out an exit because they don't want to talk about it. I think these conversations have to, we just have to keep bringing them up. The, the, the flaws in the systems, the spread of narcissism, the, uh, the, the culture that is suffering where, you know, we have so much despair, so much PTSD and collective trauma. We don't even know what to do with it. We're just medicating and anesthetizing, like you said, um, I think we have to keep talking about it until people finally stop and say, you know, yeah, there is something wrong I think that, that we need to do something about. I think, I mean, Carl Jung really talked about the way to solve this is through the individual. The individual has to go on their own journey. There has to be a way that we have of addressing what's in our shadow. There's a collective shadow that overwhelms us. And that's how fascism really rose up. And that we, I think you're right. I mean, to speak to, to this, the sort of growing societal ills truth I, to power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that, um, I know for me that, that there was something about Carl Jung's teachings that has always held something uh, magical for me in the sense that if I understand what's in my own shadow, there's tremendous power for transformation, a tremendous transformative power for me to individuate, not just from my family, not just from my trauma, but um, so, so, so it becomes this, it's really empowering, but there's, but it's also really magical. Um, and it's been, um, for me, it's been a really tough season of, of healing the last year. Um, I've been doing a lot of EMDR and a lot of internal family systems work, um, and a lot of dealing with a lot of Jungian analysis on my own. I've ne I was never really able to find a, a Jungian uh, analyst that, um, I worked well with. So I just really d dove into his teachings on my own. And that, that combination for me has been life-changing. And so mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know like how that translates for other individuals, but I do know that there's a kernel of truth in the sense that there's a, that everyone has to go on that journey. Everyone has to find the things that have to, first of all, acknowledge that there's, there's trauma there and that there, that there's no one who's going to come and rescue them. And the way that we turn to narcissists, to other narcissists to save us is the problem. Instead, right. instead of recognizing, no, no, 
I have to save myself from this. And it's a, for me to deprogram myself from these narcissists is a, is just a constant returning to I'm fixing this. I have to, I am the one answering my own cries for help. I am doing that. And, and that's what I mean when I talk about internal family systems, it's talking to the protective parts. It's getting my, the, the abandoned parts to hear me, to trust me, getting the protective parts to trust me. So they let go of all the like bad stuff, like the bad behaviors and the, you know, the things that are the childish stuff. Um, I mean, it's, it's grueling work, um, maybe for others. I just think that there's a lot of people who aren't um in a place right now the majority of people to if they haven't even acknowledged the problem yet no that's true um, and, and so and, once and, we can get that but but, but they're not they're, they're not the i think i don't think it's about speaking to the whole culture i think it's to the people it's it's about speaking to the people who are already feeling like something's wrong and right. they need a place to turn and because that's where it started for me. I mean, I was a good Christian girl. I was a good conservative Republican woman. I was going to be a Christian woman and to have a Christian home and have a Christian husband and, right. you know, support him and all the things. And uh, it was when I really started to understand what was wrong with that paradigm for me personally, that I began to understand what was wrong with that paradigm for everyone, mm -hmm. because it's not a good paradigm for anyone. No. It's not an acceptable way of being. If you want, if you want to be a, a person who is truly, um, can truly be a good parent and a good mother and a good, you know, uh, good to kids, I, I just don't think that that paradigm is a, is a, is a healthy one. No, there's so many unhealthy things all around us more than probably the healthy and there's a million different things on that buffet that you can sample to try to find something that's going to work for you sure. whether it's a Jungian archetypical shadow work or whether it's integrating all the fragmented parts of your inner self whatever it is mm -hmm. there's so much to choose from but I I think that the the core of the problem is people won't acknowledge that they're going to have to do self-work. They want to blame ah. other people. They want to take a shortcut and and turn to a narcissist to fix everything and just because that's right power to them. But, but that's what makes. I mean, we talked about it at the very beginning. That's what makes someone vulnerable to narcissistic control yeah, and abuse absolutely. is yeah. when you when you when you abdicate your own individual power to mm -hmm. someone else to fix it to save to save you. Right, like I don't know do the how. Thing yeah. hard you take it it's a learned helplessness and it's, it's a fear. Uh, yeah. you just take everything and handle it for me and they'll gladly do that that's and what they're so, there that's what that's, they're standing there like, waiting yes for. thank you yeah. and thank you again and for yeah. your generosity let me just you know, <laughs> got anything else in your pockets you can yeah pass? let me well let me take it all well, right let me just check you know like check in the couch cushions make sure you've got but that's little i mean it, but it and they know that we are ultimately, we are all afraid, right? We're all afraid of death. We're all afraid of the unknown. And they, they that is the thing that a narcissistic, uh, you know, someone with a cluster B personality disorder knows how to prey upon. And yeah. we can only protect ourselves when we learn that they're, first of all, we can't, we have to understand that, that that's just a, we are, we have to manage those feelings ourselves. There's no, you know, blaming another race, blaming another okay. country, blaming someone else for those fears isn't, it is, is a, is a false God, right? 
it's it, it's not right. it's not a reality it just doesn't exist like we all have those fears and it doesn't you know nobody's you know what i'm saying like i guess that yeah that's it i think there are powers that be that want things to be polarized divided oh, sure. and yeah. they they promote these um people uh with all their fake news and but and that's how they but that's how they stay in power dogs on the fire to just but keep that's it because, because mm -hmm. that's if they don't do that they are no longer in power and that, that's what we're talking about that is a narcissistic paradigm right so right. That it because it can only function in a narcissistic way in a way that it, that people are are completely abdicating their their um, individual power exactly. to the system that they just trust uh, implicitly I think another thing we have to think about is that it's during difficult times when, you know, it's tough to get by. You're, you're, you're trying to scrape by and you're losing your home and you're losing your job and you can't put food on the table and, and times are scary and, um, you know, the future is uncertain and it's a time of great uh, turmoil when people turn to things like fascism and narcissists <laughs> because it offers an extreme solution whereas uh, everything else has failed them and up to this point and it seems like oh well everything else had a chance and didn't work so maybe this thing is this big grand upheaval kind of change yeah. this dynamic thing right. that's going to fix everything and if you look at at the cycles in the cyclical patterns of history that's what's happened that's what happened in germany yeah. with the way weimer uh, is that how you say it um revolution back you know during um that time they were have economically um oh, yeah. having a rough time when they right. were ripe for the picking that's so, right that's, that's right. scary stuff that you know narcissism is growing the people that are malignant pathological narcissists are now assuming leadership positions in all different kinds oh, of places. yeah i don't think that it's an exaggeration to say that we are on the brink of potentially a last presidency you know i don't think yeah. that that's that's I, an exaggeration you know? Because of what they're putting up two people that I think they're both unelectable. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Well, I don't, don't want to but, vote. But, but I one, don't even want to vote. So but you need to you know, because one party is is driven towards fascism and the other party isn't. And that that does become a lesser of two evils. But there well, is a very clear and distinct choice. was a lesser of two evils. Now it's even it's it's even more than just a lesser of two evils it's something it's evolved into something crazy crazy unprecedented in history and it comes back to we live in a world that is uh lifting up the narcissists and and those are our role models because they're the ones that are winning yeah you're winning and it but just it's the system everything. is narcissistic the system was yeah. created by narcissists for Absolutely. this purpose yes and it's and it's only it's only was breaking down because of of capitalism is breaking down but mm -hmm. you know we've become an oligarchy so essentially yes i mean so yes yeah, there's going to be a great amount now. of unrest yeah Absolutely. there's and that unrest is what creates a complete destabilization well it's going to be interesting to see what happens next and i want 
all the people listening, like the ones that need to hear this most, aren't going to be watching this. <laughs> they aren't going to be listening to either one of us, probably. But I would like to think that it will come across their radar as a little blip and will give them a moment's pause to ask themselves, what's happening here? Is that true? What these people are saying? Is that really what's happening here? And to kind of start doing their own independent analysis. That's what I want to do. I'm not telling people what to think. I'm telling you, you need to start thinking because yeah. these people that are disordered, that are malignant pathological narcissists, they're going to kill you metaphorically, yeah. spiritually, well, in, in some cases, though, the, though, physically as well. I mean, physically, whatever, whatever serves no their other purposes. Yeah, there is no other outcome. It's a no. death. No, it's and a zero sum game for them. It's, it's a zero, zero sum game. Sum game. Yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And, and, and now is the time to wake up. We, we think we have people who are woke. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. That's, that's, you know, that is not what I'm talking about. This is a different kind of awakening to um, what's happening and what we need to do to do better, not just for us, not what serves us, but like for humanity to save humanity. Maybe we don't deserve being saved, but I think we do. I would like to hope that we do and that there's enough goodness in people and in the world so that, you know, we can just kind of wake up and shake off the stuff and put down the Cheetos and put down the, the beer and the, and the remote and the video games long enough to just look around and think, what can I do to be part of the solution and not part of the problem? And not just be an escapist denying that it's even happening with my head stuck in the sand because it's not going to fix itself. You can only do that. Yeah, but you can only do that if you start to really focus on your own stuff. Yeah. And how do you get people from there to where they are? You don't. You you, got to meet people where they are. The, wow. the, the here's the thing you don't you don't because you can't coerce no one likes to be forced you can't coerce anyone no, that's the can't. whole point the mm-hmm. point is is that you provide the information for those who are looking and it's only and then they provide the information for others you know what i'm saying so exactly. that's the domino effect so that's what we're doing we're sounding the alarm ding 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 sounding the alarm hey guys listen to this and um uh, and hopefully they will come to it on their own because it's just like adolescence or something. You can tell them all day long, same thing with my students. You can tell them all day long the answer. And it's like, no, 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 no. And they'll have to go find out the hard way through trial sure. and error sure. to discover it themselves because they're not just going to take it as a gift from you. Like, here, take this. This is the answer. No, they're going to have to find it their way. So right. I hope that we can start doing that. Do you have anything you would like to leave us with? Final thoughts, contact information, um, anything? Um, well, I mean, by contact information, do you mean like? Like if people wanted to recruit you to do some uh, writing or some um, research or to for whatever reason. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that my email address is puntonpointmedia at gmail.com. Um, uh, you can my, find my writings on um, Amy Punt is Sequence on Sunday on Medium. And I have a substack, which is the Creativity to Heal. And 
Awesome. I will put those uh, links in the description below so that y'all can access those easily if you want to read some of Amy's uh, prolific work and insights on this subject. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. it's a pleasure having you here today. Thank and, you. Um, thank you very, very much for um, some really great conversation. And I hope this, uh, I hope you listeners out there will share this with people to try to just get them thinking and getting the conversation started and, um, you know, maybe start talking about, um, you know, solutions and uh, what we can do to turn this thing around before, you know, well, we know what, <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know the direction we're headed. We don't, yeah. you know, we don't need yeah. a sign to tell us that, but uh, yeah. thank you all for being here today. Thanks. Bye.